Well, good morning. Happy All Saints Day. Uh, today is a party, which is why I wore my party shirt and my party shoes. Uh, it's kind of one of the Sundays I can get away with wearing this stuff. Anyway, um, hey, so today uh, we, we are celebrating All Saints Sunday, um, and it's one of two or three times per year that we celebrate the sacrament of baptism. We do that on All Saints Sunday as well as the Sunday right after Easter, and then sometimes when we have a lot of folks that desire to be baptized, we will also add a baptism Sunday in the summer. But what is baptism? I'm so glad that you all asked. What is this thing that we do in the church that we've been doing for 2,000 years that involves water and people? Well, baptism is an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. Signs are not the real thing. Signs point to something beyond themselves that indicate the real thing. For instance, when you're driving south on I-35 and you see a text dot green sign and it says San Antonio, that is not the city of San Antonio, is it? It's just indicating that San Antonio is that way. Sacraments are signs that communicate a spiritual reality, but unlike the green text dot sign, they are also mysterious and spiritual because they're holy and set apart. They point to God. They indicate how he accomplished bringing us to himself. And in the Anglican church, we recognize two official sacraments, baptism and holy communion. And baptism is the outward and visible sign of the inward and spiritual grace of salvation, which is by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Baptism, that word, comes from the Greek that means to immerse or to dunk. It's a word that was used to describe the sinking of a ship, and if you've ever watched a ship being sunk, um, water starts to fill in, and it doesn't go all the way down to the bottom of the ocean until what? Until the entire thing is filled, till it's immersed completely. The word was also used to describe a garment being immersed in dye. So you would take a cream-colored jacket, whatever, and you put it into water that has indigo dye, and what comes out? It's no longer a cream jacket, but rather this beautiful indigo jacket. The jacket has been transformed because the dye penetrates every fiber of the fabric. Romans 6, 4, Paul explains, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Baptism is a visual and symbolic demonstration of our union with God through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so being immersed into the water signifies that our former way of life has been crucified and buried with Christ, and coming up out of the water signifies the power that you receive by being raised with Christ in his resurrection, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. Baptism also signifies that in Christ we have been purified from all unrighteousness and clothed in the righteousness of God. Galatians 3, so in Christ Jesus, you are children of God through faith, for you were baptized, for you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Baptism is also an initiation into the church. 
It signifies the incorporation into the fellowship of God's eternal family, as Colossians 1 said. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So when talking about baptism, at least in the Anglican church, it always brings up this question. Well, why do we baptize children? Well, there's evidence um, in the scriptures that infants were baptized during the time of the apostles. In the New Testament, there are four separate instances, Acts 16, twice, Acts 18, and 1 Corinthians 1, where an entire household was baptized, usually on the basis of the faith of the head of the family. And when considered in the light of Jewish and Greek understanding of what constituted a household, that would mean adults, children, and servants. And there's high probability that infant baptism was administered by the apostles as early as the middle of the first century, or the time of the writing of the epistles, Galatians, Ephesians, Corinthians, etc. Additionally, historical evidence points to this practice being widespread through the early church including in North Africa and Syria and Southern Europe. Witnesses as early as Polycarp and Justin Martyr indicate that infant baptism was practiced by the church at least by the end of the apostolic era. So all the folks that we know as apostles, by the time that they are um, going to Narnia, that we see infant baptism. Many other writers in the church held that infant baptism was the unquestioned rule received by the apostles. And this is a part of our covenantal view, because those who baptize their infants, as we'll see this morning, they believe that just as circumcision was the outward sign of Jewish belonging, so water baptism is the outward sign of Christian belonging. So just as parents of the old covenant would circumcise their sons, parents of the new covenant baptized their children. And in both cases, children would eventually make a profession of faith in public i.e. a bar or a bat mitzvah or this side of things, um, confirmation. In infant baptism, the faith of the parents is conferred upon the child until such a time as the child will confirm their faith for herself or himself. And if we can um, kind of get in our mind's eye a nonlinear view of time and space, just keep that right there, whatever that means to you, It is not a problem for God that faith is professed by a parent on behalf of a child because they must affirm that faith as soon as they're able by repenting of their sin, placing their faith in Jesus Christ. And so what we are doing this morning when we are baptizing infants and littles is that we're welcoming them into the family of God. In other words, infant baptism is not a substitute for faith and commitment to Christ because it is to be followed by a time of publicly confirming faith in Christ in confirmation. So Anglicans, which is what we are, like other Reformed believers, we uphold the practice of infant baptism as being consistent with the scripture, apostolic faith, and the practice of the early church, but we also uh, see, we bought a Baptist church about seven years ago, and we also believe in believer's baptisms. I grew up Baptist, and so I'm basically telling you all that stuff about infant baptism for my former 
uh, former self, okay? But we got this big dunk tank back there that you can't see, but we're going to dunk some people today. So we're going to sprinkle some infants and we're going to dunk some older kids. And all seven are good and right and a good and right practice of the church. So for you parents that are baptizing your child as an infant or toddler, you're acknowledging that you take your relationship with God very seriously, that you desire to develop your family in the Christian faith. You're declaring your willingness to teach, to model, to share the Christian faith with your child. You're accepting the responsibility to encourage them in the knowledge and love of the Lord to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. You also acknowledge that your child is a gift from God and desire to see God's will carried, carried out in your child's life. You are making a commitment to God for the sake of your child. And by making this commitment in the local church, you also recognize that your church should have a large part in the spiritual growth of your family. And you will invite this church to know you and your child so that they can give prayer support and assist in spiritual formation and the maturation of your child. And let me just say, y'all are gonna do great at that. And parents of Dunkers, you've committed to this same thing years ago and you've been raising your children in a godly manner by teaching them the Bible, by bringing them to church consistently and modeling the faith all these years. And this morning for y'all parents, is a beautiful testimony to that commitment that you made so many years ago. Great job, y'all. It's exciting. And for the rest of yous, if you've been baptized, uh, you're gonna hear your baptismal vows this morning, in a few minutes, in fact. We're gonna say them all together as a church, and you're gonna get to reflect upon them and re-up upon them, in a sense. And I love that about our tradition. Um, The last thing I'll say before we actually get to the baptisms is that baptism Sundays are awesome, and here's why. They help us to remember and anticipate at the same time because we can look backwards, we can see what God's been up to in the lives of these folks, and we also get to look forward to our future home one day. We see young and old alike entering into the waters of baptism. We get to remember the good news that there is new life available to all through Jesus Christ. And I think, like I said earlier, baptism Sundays are party days. They are. They're really significant. So with that, let's party, shall we?